are listening to a podcast from The National. Covering everything from cryptocurrencies to crowdfunding and robot stock traders to paperless money transfers, financial technology, or fintech as it is known, is the booming buzzword in the regional and global financial sector. This is the National Business Extra podcast. I'm Chris Nelson, standing in for Mustafa al Rawi, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Craig Moore, the chief executive of the UAE-based peer-to-peer lending platform Beehive.ae. At the moment, the big buzzword is fintech, financial technology, for everything from Bitcoin through uh, robot traders to uh, algorithms on the stock exchange. Um, I wonder, Craig, could you give me um, a brief sort of uh, introduction as to what fintech covers at the moment? Yeah, sure. I think fintech is a fairly wide-ranging uh, category, uh, and it probably falls into two different camps. The first camp um, is essentially companies that are selling technology to financial institutions, and that's happened for the last 30, 40, 50 years. Um, but they're positioning themselves very much now as fintech rather than uh, just tech. Then you have the other side, which I guess is really what everybody's focused on, which are um, companies that are operating in the financial services space using technology as the disruptor or the enabler. So whether that's remittances, whether it's uh, lending platforms like ourselves, uh, money transfer systems, those kind of companies that are actually operating and are, in essence, competing directly with the incumbent financial Mm -hmm. institutions. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I'm right in thinking that uh, Beehive was the first to set up in this region. Um, yeah, so we were we were the first to set up in the UAE. Uh, we're the first platform to be regulated within the MENA region. So we're regulated by the uh, DFSA, mm-hmm. um, in the based in the DIFC, and you know even when we set up, we we based ourselves very much on regulations coming out of the likes of the UK. Um, being very transparent because it was important for us not only to educate the market but to create that trust because when you're the first in a market yeah sure you carry that educational burden yeah and therefore it's important that not only are you trying to get your brand out there and the awareness out there but you're also having to educate the market if you are a new proposition in a new marketplace yeah and do you think that that in this marketplace was was perhaps more um, more um, important than, than, for instance, the UK and the US, where obviously such things had been going before. But but also there was a, there's, there's a uh, obviously there is a much more sort of um, deep uh, uh, financial sector over there. Um, do you think here you, you, there were peculiar challenges with it being a new a new uh, sector in a new country, effectively? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a number number of things really. I think it's important whenever you're setting up. Um, a company such as Beehive, you are only part of an ecosystem. So it really comes down to how developed the wider ecosystem is. And that's one of the things that we needed to overcome some of the challenges there in the sense that things like escrow for client services didn't Mm -hmm. exist when we set up. So we had to come up with ways or workarounds that allowed us to mimic some of the uh, processes and and, and operational flows that you would have in the UK as a market and bring that transition that over here so that you can essentially carry out the same type of operations whilst also being transparent as mm-hmm. possible because mm-hmm. uh, as a business model, we're, we're, we're fairly unique in the sense that we have two customers. So if you think that we're an SME-based lending platform, so on the one hand, on the one hand we have SMEs that are coming to us 
to look to take on uh, loans mm -hmm. uh, and get access to finance uh, as compared to going to the banks. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of the equation, because we're a marketplace mm -hmm. and we connect uh, people, we have investors, which are uh, up until now have been retail investors. So right. people like you and I uh -huh. uh, investing from as little as 100 dirhams over the platform into an SME. Mm -hmm. So straight away, you have two customers mm -hmm. that you're trying to reach out to. And that brings its own peculiar challenges because you're also trying to manage the uh, supply and demand. Mm -hmm. And the yeah. expectations of both. Absolutely, sort of yeah. absolutely. Um, obviously, this, this region is, is um, very much a, a hotbed for SMEs. Um, now, when you started, as as you say, you were you know the first in this country. What 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 did you see at that time that gave you the confidence and 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 um, the the uh, you felt was the opportunity to to set up at that time? What what did you what was it that that gave you the um, the push as it were? So. We, we launched at the end of 2014, but really started to look into this at the start of 2013. Mm -hmm. So it's probably a gestation period of almost 18 months. And what stood out were a number of things. One was that SMEs here were struggling to get um, finance from the banks, pr predominantly because I think the balance sheets of banks were 3 4% represented in terms of lending to mm -hmm. SMEs. Um, and there were SMEs who obviously could get finance, yeah, of, of yeah. course, but the rates were fairly high yeah. because we focus on what is known as unsecured finance. Now, unsecured finance just really means there's no collateral in terms of fixed assets or you're not taking a mortgage on a warehouse or the like. But if you look at the changing dynamics of um, economies now, they are going to see a greater... Uh, up, uptick in knowledge-based businesses, mm -hmm. digital businesses, mm -hmm. asset-light businesses, effectively. Yeah. So two people sat in a serviced office with a couple of Apple Macs yeah. who may be uh, running a business that's growing rapidly, mm -hmm. but it's based on intellectual property or they're a digital marketing company, mm -hmm. whatever it may be. And banks had traditionally struggled to lend to these type of organizations. They felt a lot more secure in the fact when they could take a, a charge on, yeah. on an asset. So. Yeah. One, there was, there was already a gap, a funding gap, uh, not just the UAE, but the wider MENA region. Yeah. I think uh, it, was, it was kind of predicted to be around $260 billion. So it was a you know, sizable gap. Mm -hmm. But as well, as you start to see that changing mix in the economy between more services-type businesses, then invariably you're going to need products that are able to satisfy that demand. So that was one thing that there was uh, an SME funding gap. And the second thing really is, as, um, as, a, as, a, as a country, the UAE, it's a great platform in order to springboard off into the wider GCC and MENA region. Yeah. But also, um, I'd already got ambitions to go into Southeast Asia as well. Mm -hmm. So it just seemed a natural um, place to kind of put the one, the regional HQ and the group HQ, but to be able to then springboard into Southeast Asia as well as MENA, mm -hmm. um, in particular because we were the first platform globally to be certified Sharia compliant. Okay. It also yeah. gave us uh, a, a lot of focus to bring that out of this region yeah. And, yeah. and look to export that yeah. in, into yeah. Southeast Asia. Yeah. So I th it was a combination of factors, yeah. really. And and obviously here with the you know the the, the government being very much focused on on pushing the SME. Um, uh, sector as a as a driver for the economy and and diversifying away from from uh, traditional oil uh, based economy. 
um, presumably uh, gives you um, a wider range and, and scope than you might get uh, elsewhere. So, you know, possibly in the West, where there are presumably a lot more competitors. Um, what, what, what? Obviously, the way the way, as I understand it, peer-to-peer lending works is effectively um, you, you connect the investors or, or you open an auction. Uh, for for uh, you check out a company, you say this company is one that we we uh, have certified, so it's effectively safe, um, legally speaking. Then you open an auction, open to any investor, any investor at all. Yes, it's it's it, that's more or less it. Essentially, what we do is when a business approaches the platform, then we will do a credit and risk assessment. Mm-hmm. So we will analyze their financials, we'll do a full quantitative and qualitative analysis, j- just the same way that a bank would do. Yeah. And once we've uh, run them through that process, we will then give them a guide risk rating, whether it's a, an A or a B or a C type business, mm-hmm. and we'll then put them onto the platform. Once they're on the platform, they're then visible to our investors. Yeah. And we have two categories of investors mm-hmm. on, the, on the individual side. One is the retail investor. So the retail investor, and there are certain limitations about how much they can invest in any one particular business, mm-hmm. how much money they can put onto the platform uh, in, in one year. That, and that's actually uh, 18,000 dirhams in total investment in one business mm-hmm. or 180,000 dirhams put on in one, one, one 12, 12-month period. Okay. Then uh, you also have... Uh, essentially professional investors and they don't have that same limitations but of course they've got to prove that they've got a, a certain amount of wealth yeah, yeah. Um, and they then aren't limited to how much they can invest so either investor can can see the business mm-hmm. as it's on the platform and then they're able to say okay i want to make a bid on this mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. i'll put a, a 500 dirhams into this business and currently we work we operate a auction process which means that if somebody's looking for 500,000 dirhams, it fills almost, keeps filling as a bucket whilst everybody makes their bids. And then once it tops out, Mm -hmm. the next bid starts to kick out the most expensive bid. So then you have a reverse auction. So very much like a reverse eBay um, over time. And then when the auction closes, the business will get the weighted average cost across all different bids. Mm -hmm. And the investors will get their individual rates uh, based on... um, what they put forward if they were successful in the auction. Mm-hmm. But of course, for the business, you've got to make it as simple as possible. So they only make one monthly repayment. Our technology platform then distributes all that right, uh, money. Right. So you as an investor have a dashboard. Yeah. And it's a real-time dashboard. I think what's important to stress is we don't invest people's money. Yeah. So um, two things. One, the contract is direct between the investor and the business. Okay. So when a contract is done on the one side, you'll have the business. On the other side, you might have 350 different yeah, investors, yeah, yeah. but that's all done electronically. Uh-huh. So it, there's no um, there's no work for anybody mm-hmm. to do that. And secondly, uh, it's a case of uh, the investor, because they are lending directly to the business, Therefore, they are making the decision. You mm-hmm. make the decision whether you like the look of a business, whether you want to bid 100 dirhams, 1,000 dirhams, 10,000 dirhams. Mm-hmm. It's completely up to you. Mm-hmm. But you will then have a dashboard when you log in on your account, and that will show you exactly how much you've got invested, how much you've got bid, uh, how much you've got free, uh-huh. your repayment schedules, mm-hmm. all the different companies you're investing in, et cetera, just as you would have with the stocks and shares. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the moment, roughly kind of, uh, how many how many um, companies do you do you have on the books that have been invested in and are running at the moment? Would you say? 
So I think in total we've had uh, just under 200 businesses. Oh, okay. So it's Are just they all UAE based. All UAE based. Uh, over uh, 150 million dirhams mm-hmm. has been funded mm-hmm. over the platform um, in the last three years, uh-huh. and we're starting to see that grow. So on a monthly basis, we're seeing about 10 million dirhams right. of funding going over the platform because we have a number of different products. We have uh, what we call business finance, which is essentially term loans. So okay. you know, you get a monthly repayment as an investor, yeah. and as a business, your capital is reducing through through the, uh, through the through the loan period. And with, then we also have short-term invoice financing. So that's typically 60, 120, 150 days. Mm-hmm. And that's just to help companies with their working capital and that cash flow management. Yeah, yeah. Because for some companies, they don't need a medium-term loan yeah. to just deal with uh, payment terms from maybe a large customer uh-huh. that they've uh-huh. got. So uh-huh. it's, it's about trying to match the right products for the SMEs, and then the investors can invest in different types of products should uh-huh. they qualify uh-huh. for those. And what, what in, in your experience so far, what, what sort of companies or what, what sort of sectors are investors uh, in, on, these platf- on your platform finding the most interesting, do you think, at the moment? I think it's a lot of these knowledge digital-based businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of investors understand that. They can see that uh, these are companies that are probably more flexible in terms of adapting to market conditions. Mm-hmm. So whether that's a, you know, a rapidly growing digital marketing business, whether it's a software business, whether it's a strong consultancy business, because these companies are typically taking cash on if they're taking a loan, it's because they're looking to hire maybe one or two new people mm-hmm. to, because their, their business is growing or they need to service a new, a, new, mm-hmm. a new customer or client that they've just won. Or on the short-term finance, it's because they've just completed a large project yeah. and they're on probably 90-day payment terms. Yeah. And if they can get access to that cash in a few days, that makes a lot of sense because yeah. they can recycle that through the business. Yeah. So yeah. We, get, we get a real broad range. One of the things that um, we really pushed in the time is to build that community. So if you think about it for a lot of businesses, coming onto the Beehive platform gives them exposure to over 5,000 registered investors. So in a way, it's almost pseudo-marketing. So we find a lot of brands that are selling to to retail um, like coming onto the platform because they then can offer additional incentives to be hive investors, yeah. sell brands such as Coffee Planet or Coiter. You know, so if you're in the supermarket and you see Coiter organic milk, if you've invested maybe 500 or 1,000 dirhams in that, there's a good chance you're more likely to pick up their milk yeah. than a competitor's yeah. milk yeah. because yeah. It, it starts to create a lot more brand ambassadors for mm. the business. So it almost becomes a virtuous circle. Yeah, yeah. and that's and that's yeah. essentially what you're trying to create. Yeah. So a lot of the brands that we see coming through are brands that people will see at their supermarkets yeah. or um, in retail different stores. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, with, with peer-to-peer lending and with Beehive in, in this country, um, you've stolen a march on the banks. Um, now, banks, by their nature, are not... Uh, um, are not not stupid. So, mm. how how do you feel uh, they are responding, or, or or will respond to to this um, to this growth of peer to peer lending? Because obviously, it must undermine elements of their businesses. Yeah, I think I think it does. Um, we we got to put things into perspective, though, as well, which is that we're only early on mm-hmm. in our evolution, relatively. So, even you know, 150 million dirhams isn't going to get too many banks yeah. upset yeah. in terms of the grand scheme of things. But I think what it, it actually goes to is it's more about trying to drive a new customer experience 
uh, and to drive the kind of not just the pricing, but actually it's the time to finance. So yeah. a lot of SMEs come to us. Cost of finance is important, but yeah. when you're an SME, time to finance is actually the most critical yeah. thing. Yeah. So we actually see ourselves as an effective and an efficient distribution mechanism. Uh-huh. So the opportunities are bound for us to actually start working with the banks. Because right. if you think about what a bank is, it's it's sitting on a large balance sheet. Bank makes money by either making fees uh-huh. or by lending money. Uh-huh. And for a lot of the banks, what they don't necessarily want to do is if they do want to increase their exposure in SME lending, it's not necessarily that they want to go and hire another 20, 30, 40 people to put into that department mm-hmm. uh, if there is a more efficient and effective distribution mechaniz- mechanism that they can use. So we're already now involved in a number of conversations, not just in the UAE, but in, in other countries as well, about how we can partner with banks. Mm-hmm. So we, we only see ourselves as one part of the financial ecosystem. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But if we're trying to move the needle in terms of customer expectations or trying to find a smarter or faster way of doing things, then that allows us to start working and collaborate with financial institutions rather than just um, see them as competition. Yeah. So, um, I mean, obviously, over the past really three to five years, um, both investors and uh, SMEs have become far more sophisticated than they used to be. Um, Do you... you see a kind of crossover between um, the advancement of fintech and is that tied to and tied with the uh, growing sophistication of SMEs and um, and investors in particularly in this country I mean in, investors traditionally have been um, you know like a like a big family or something and they would mm. go through the same routes every time um, do, do you do you how do you see the the um, development of the of uh, the investment uh, sector here from from that kind of growing uh, sophistication. I think it what it what what you're starting to see um, across the board is a mirroring a mirroring of the public markets in the private markets. And what I mean by that is, you know, typically a diversified portfolio for individuals or large families would be blue chip equities making up a certain percentage, maybe emerging market equities making up a a smaller percentage, bonds, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then at the far end, you'd have the alternative assets, gold, et cetera, those kind of things. But there's been a huge focus in the last probably five or six years into the private market. So that's where you start to see private equity investing, Uh uh, venture capital investing. And essentially what we're part of is that private debt Side. So if you think about corporate bonds in the public market, yeah. then you, you, you start to see the private debt uh, over the likes of uh, Beehive and, and, and other um, uh, platforms. So you're starting to see a real rise in that private debt and a lot of uh, large funds, etc., are starting to look at how do they get exposure to, to, to private debt, particularly as corporate bond returns have been um, uh, d- dampened mm-hmm. just because mm-hmm. of the amount of liquidity and yeah. QE, et cetera, in the world. So you're starting to see people hunting out yield mm-hmm. uh, and and income-producing assets. But you're right, there's a, there's a, a, you know, I guess disruption allows different products to be brought to the market. They have to be assessed. Mm-hmm. They have to, they have to achieve a certain level of maturity yeah. Yeah. before uh, larger institutions. And that's one of the things that, I think what we're extremely proud of is, you know, we've recently just closed a, a fundraising round and one of the um, independent uh, board directors that's joining our board 
is um, actually somebody that set up the first listed uh, fund that invests over peer-to-peer platforms globally. So that, okay. that is about $1.5 billion, uh-huh. and that's London listed. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And that works with a lot of the big platforms in the US, mm-hmm. UK, Europe, etc. Mm-hmm. So you're now starting to see that maturity happen. Mm-hmm. It's happened over there because peer-to-peer started in 2005 in the UK, yeah. so he's yeah. now 12 years old. Yeah. I just think you'll start to see that happen more in the Middle East uh-huh. and, and Asia uh-huh. as well. So it's just trying to uh, – it's another building block in a diversified portfolio. Yeah. Nobody's going to put the life savings across a peer-to-peer platform in the same way that you wouldn't put your life savings all in just blue-chip equities. Yeah. You're yeah. expected to have a fairly balanced, diversified portfolio yeah. with certain asset classes that might outperform the market yeah. or aren't necessarily – directly correlated with other asset classes that uh-huh, you own. Uh-huh. When it when it comes to Southeast Asia and and your um, you say you, you know you're looking to to move into into that region how, how do you go about approaching a different market from mm. from the outside from here for instance how how would you do that in say I don't know China or, or Japan or something like that Well the first thing is I want to go into China. <laughs> <laughs> I think China is China's, uh, as I say to people, China's China. Yeah, right? um, yeah, you know, it's it's a huge market, and um, it's funnily enough in fintech, it's probably the leader globally in fintech because right. it tries an awful lot of things, mm-hmm. and it has a lot of incon- interconnectivity between sure. social platforms, financial platforms, mm-hmm. etc. So, I think China's a, a fairly enclosed uh, market, but. When I say Asia, we're, we're really looking at Southeast Asia. So mm-hmm. we see an opportunity there, uh, partly because there's no large dominant player there yet. Secondly, because we've got our Sharia-based um, uh, solution as well. Uh, I think that resonates quite well there. But the reason we're able to look at other markets, and, and this market served us very well, is that I go back to my earlier comments when, when we set up here, we had to overcome a lot of different problems mm-hmm. and we had to s- come up with solutions and, and workarounds. Yeah. And what that goes to is it goes to DNA. And it means that you start to build a, a culture and a DNA, which means you can tackle problems and, and, and find workarounds to them. Yeah. And that means that you end up with probably an 80% core of what you do with a 20% localization wrapper. So if you can take that core into other markets, yes, of course, you're going to have to localize um, and make sure that you're um, understanding the regulatory and the legal frameworks and adjusting your processes slightly, but you still have that core technology and those Mm -hmm. core operations Mm -hmm. that you're able to very quickly um, put on the ground, get an initial almost SWAT team approach yeah, and yeah. then start to build out. Yeah. So it, it really does go to, uh, I guess, execution. Yeah. Right? And, and, and I think it was good grounding for us because if, we, if we'd if done Beehive in a, in a, in a kind of a Western economy that had a far more uh, developed third-party ecosystem yeah. you can plug into, actually the barriers to entry yeah. are lower. Yeah. Um, and you wouldn't necessarily have the appetite to take on slightly tougher markets. Yeah. So if you look at the big players in the US, they haven't come out of the US. Yeah. You look at players out of the UK, whenever they've gone into any other markets, it's been through acquisition, and they're right. typically European or US markets. So yeah. they're staying where they feel very comfortable with yeah. the third-party infrastructures, whereas we're looking at some of the markets where we can feel that we can bring a lot of lessons that we've learned here mm-hmm. and execute as good as anybody else in the world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. Um, 
just sort of uh, uh, moving away slightly from that, I, I, I understand you, you're not particularly from a fintech background in the first place, are you? No, 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 no. So um, prior to uh, Beehive, I was a, a co-founder of a software business okay. back in the UK, which was a, a data analytics business. Mm-hmm. And uh, set that up in 09, grew that and sold that to IBM in 2012. And just privately started to become interested in the whole peer-to-peer space. Yeah. So I think that's where a lot of entrepreneurial ideas come from, where you, you it's either real-world problems that you experience or real-world interests that yeah. you come across yeah. that starts to just get the little gray cells yeah. moving and you, you, you think, actually, that's quite interesting. So, But it, by then, it was already fairly developed in the UK, mm-hmm. and that's what started to maybe look at other markets because... My view was, yes, I think this is going to become the way that a lot of uh, businesses will raise finance in the future. It will take time. It has to mature and develop as a market. And I think the opportunities then go to markets where this doesn't exist today and see if we can build the brand leader. Yeah. And that's really what, 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 what Beehive was all about. Thanks to Craig Moore for that fascinating insight into the rapidly evolving world of financial technology and peer-to-peer lending. It seems clear that the future is here and the future is fintech. I'm Chris Nelson. This is the National Business Extra podcast and you can find us at thenational.ae.